Hey everyone, I'm Sonali from Green Queen and we're back with Alt Protein Weekly Live. I'm joined by my co-host, Steve Molino. Hey, Steve. Hey, Sonali. Another packed week in the space. Um, let's dive right in with our big story, which um, as I was speaking to someone today about is a huge step forward for the industry, particularly for um, cellular agriculture and the cultivated meat space. So two US startups have earned the USDA label approval, um, Eat Just and Upside Food. So the two leading uh, cultivated meat companies in the US, certainly in terms of funding and distribution and, and size. Um, what do you think? Yeah. So I think uh, lots of thoughts on this one, but the first thing that stood out to me is they have determined what it's going to be called. We've had so many names over the years, Clean Me, cell-based meat, cultivated meat. So it's cell cultivated meat, right? That's what they're they're going to move forward with, which I think is, I'm fine with it. I think it's totally good. But either way, the the at least for the time being, the debate is is over. But on this, and I'm gonna I want to bring you into this. So I have I, I've been I've been taught over the years that when you're giving constructive feedback on something. To use the sandwich approach, something positive, then the criticism, then something positive. So about this story, I'm going to do that. And we're, I'm going to bring you in first. So the positive side. So just congrats to Upside and, and Just. Like this is this is a huge step for them. Lots of time and effort and, and so many resources to get to this point. So I feel really, really happy for them and for the space. And I'm, I'm sure you do too, right? Like I'm feeling just good, good about them. So that's a good positive. On the not constructive criticism, but the, I think, reality check on this that I really think is important to note is that right now, worldwide, we consume about 350 million metric tons of meat. That doesn't include seafood. If you include seafood, that's another 200, roughly 200 million metric tons. So call it 500 to 550 million metric tons of meat and seafood. I think if every single country in the world gave the thumbs up and green light to cultivated meat today and cultivated seafood, I don't even know that we'd be at a couple hundred thousand tons, but let's say maybe maybe a million tons that we could possibly produce. So we're one 550th of the animal-based market. So... I'm really excited by this. We're one step closer to commercialization, but there is a long road ahead. And I think it's worth calling out just to set the expectations. So any thoughts on that real quick? Yeah, I mean, I think we're having two different conversations and, and I think it's really important to separate them. I think you've got the one conversation about two very dedicated startups that are really, you know, holding up the flag and, 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 and pioneering the way and and this news, let's be honest, I know for a fact that I've well, I've heard insiders say that places like China, Israel, they're watching the US in terms of their regulatory moves. Um, this is a big deal for as a symbol of just getting the industry to move uh, and and what these players have achieved and all their work kind of getting getting over this hurdle. I, I do want to call out to everyone because I did see some coverage that was that was not totally accurate. This is a label approval. This is not the full approval. Um, this is not full regulatory approval, but it is seen as the final hurdle before we get to regulatory approval. Um, the next point is grant of inspection. 
um, before these companies can begin production and 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 then eventually sell the products to the public. Um, so I, I think it is worth kind of taking a moment and going congrats to Eat Just and Upside Foods. And just to clarify, because there was some confusion around this, Eat Just actually got approval on June 8th, and then that was followed by Upside Foods on June 12th. Um, so really congrats to the, these two pioneers. Um, however, to, to go back to your point, it's really important to couch this in a realistic time frame, And this is not a situation where we're going to have cultivated meat in the supermarket in a few years. We've got a long way to go before that is true. But if you look yep. at it in terms of where were we with cultivated meat, you know, 10 years ago, this is this is huge. And it, it, it to some extent does um, uh, give critics something to to pause about. Because this is going, this is major regulators, the USDA, known to be a very big friend to big meat, is saying, you know, we're on our way here. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And you you hit on the, the sandwich approach, you hit the good last positive part. So it was congrats to them, but we have major, <laughs> hur major hurdles ahead. But this is still monumental. And the monumental side, you hit on it. I really just think like, really take a step back. Humans throughout history, we have never eaten this in our food system. This is not something that has existed. Regulators who are known to move very slowly have moved relatively quickly on this and are saying we are one step away from allowing people in the U.S. to eat this. That is huge. That is not something to be ignored. Still, again, huge hurdles for scaling up and commercialization at scale. But this is, this is a very monumental step for the food system just because it's very novel. So, uh, Super cool, super cool. Yeah, and actually just to plug my, I'm going to be doing a, a limited series on cultivated meat, a podcast with all the cultivated meat pioneers, including the two founders of uh, that are mentioned of the companies that we're talking about. And so far in the interviews I've recorded, no one has not said that scale is daunting. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is not something they're not aware of. And everyone has said it's a long way away from full mass mainstream kind of distribution. So I, I think they know that, but- um, It's a really important question. You get to interview all these people. Are they giving you the chance to taste what they're they're making? They You should you should make that part of it, right? You should say that this is a criteria to be on my show. Oh, I, I wish I've tried it once, um, but yeah, unfortunately I'm stuck in, in, a, in a location that will make it difficult, but I'm sure I will taste more soon. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> no, that's so, awesome. Next big story following up from last week's big story is um, that British fried chicken company, vegan fried chicken company, VFC, which it was founded by Veganuary and Veg Capital co-founder Matthew Glover, have announced that they are going to acquire the fellow UK vegan brand Meatless Farm, which as we reported last week was facing bankruptcy and had just laid off all their staff and their website is not working and products are not available right now. So big announcement, what are we thinking? Yeah, I mean, this there, there's a lot. So I think this is a, a major win for the majority of stakeholders involved. So for VFC, they get access to Meatless Farm, the brand, the IP, the distribution, the, the manufacturing, everything. Um, I'm sure there's economies of scale that they can leverage here. Um, they could cross sell their their branded products across these these companies. So that's that's amazing. 
Meatless Farm, they're not going out of business, right? They'll continue to to exist and and, and operate, and that's that's great. Um, and for customers, again, we were talking about it last week. They had either eleven or twelve million in revenue. That means there's eleven or twelve million dollars of demand at this point for their products, and customers who like them will continue to be able to eat them, and that's that's awesome. And hopefully, it'll it'll expand. Um, only thing that comes to mind, like I'm an investor. There's no way the investors um, and current cap table, so current ownership, uh, won one big on this for for Meatless Farm. So it's it's definitely a, a brutal hit for uh, stakeholders on the the investment side or the equity ownership side. But um, it's it's good for the space overall. But I mean, do you? I mean, I, if you if you had to take a guess here, did mm-hmm. they get it for a steal? BFC did, yeah, hundred percent. 100%. I don't know. To be clear, I do not know details. I am not an insider on BFC or Meatless Farm. I know in other investors who invested in them, and I'm sure I'll find out more over time, but um, there's there's no way they didn't get a first deal. This is a $12 million revenue company. And let's just say if they were growing fast and operating well, they could be a $30, $40, 50000000 million valuation company. VFC raised $6 million recently. So I they that means they have six to $8 million of cash, probably because they raised money in the past. They didn't give up every dollar that they have to buy Meatless Farm or they would be out of business themselves. So they definitely got this first deal, 100%. What's in it for them? For VFC? Yeah. I mean, they've got an amazing brand They're They've got decent distribution. Matthew is a rock star. What is in it for them? I mean, it's a good question. I think it's, um, I would assume that they see some type of synergy associated with Meatless Farm. Maybe it's creating new products that are co-branded that could be attractive. Maybe it's access to the distribution that Meatless Farm has. I don't know how their distribution compares to BFC, but Meatless Farm, I'm sure is in a couple thousand locations and their, their international BFC might be able to leverage the relationships that Meatless Farm has with distributors uh, on the retail and food service side. Um, but it is a risk, right? So Meatless Farm is losing money every month. And so is VFC. So it just means that there's a higher burn uh, as a collective organization. Right. right. Um, so there's risk. There's still risk. But I, I still think, um, I, I so I would assume that VFC saw t- some type of synergy with with doing this. Yeah, I, I mean, if you look at the, the social kind of reaction, you know, the vegan community, especially in the UK is just absolutely thrilled. And, you know, Matthew mm-hmm. is definitely hailed as a hero for stepping in and, and just, you know, I think somebody called it doing the right thing, you know? So it's interesting. It's interesting uh, how it's being perceived. Um, yeah. Because I think there's a very big difference between how consumers and, the you know the mainstream public and the vegan community is looking at it versus how it's being looked at as a business deal i think but yeah I, and i would hope that the business side of it makes sense because if it doesn't then it's one kicking the can down the road and and this will still come up again and two i don't know vfc internally but if they are doing well and this didn't make business or financial sense then it's actually hindering a brand that is on the up and coming side of things. So I I, I really hope that it, it made financial and business sense. Yeah. 
Well, let's see. It's going to be an interesting few weeks. Yeah, but separately um, from that, you you were telling me that um, you wanted to to highlight the impossible discussion that came up in this week's newsletter, right? Yeah, I wanted to ask you as an investor, you know, can you maybe talk us through, so Bloomberg, you know, everyone's favorite um, plant-based media hater. Sorry, sorry, Bloomberg. Um, so a document seen by Bloomberg revealed that apparently the value of workers' shares of Impossible Foods is down 89% since 2021. Okay. Um, what What is it? How are the shares, maybe you can walk through our, our audience, for our audience, how are shares that are not public priced and, and what affects their valuation and, and who has access to that information? And are yeah. they available on a secondary market? I, it'd be good to get a little more information around that. Yeah, I mean, so at the, the highest level, valuations of private companies is, um, it's very... Uh, slow moving and it's it's generally it's what what was the last round of the but whatever the last round that a company raised they raised at a certain valuation everyone will then price their shares at whatever that last round was and unless there was some materially different information that's come out either on the positive side or the negative side people will just say that's the value that we're holding these 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 shares at um, and then when there's another round it'll happen at a new valuation ideally higher, and then that, that would be what everyone holds their shares at. The secondary market, though, is it's not what you expect on the secondary market is that if you are selling private shares, you are going to sell them for a discount. And the reason is because there's a massive illiquidity premium or a discount that, that comes with owning private shares. If you own stock in Apple or Google today, you could buy and sell that in real time right away. You can't do that on the private market. You have to negotiate with a potential buyer if you're trying to sell shares. So they just expect that there's gonna be some type of discount. Um, but hearing that Impossible's shares on the private market, on the secondary market are 89% lower than they were in 2021, that's just like in line with what we're seeing in the market overall. Like if you look at the broader food tech space or even public comps like Beyond or Oatly or things like that. So I'm not surprised by that. Um, are you surprised by that? Is there anything like when, as someone who like, you're not looking at it from an investor standpoint, do you see that and think like, wow, Impossible is doing poorly? Or do you think that that's kind of expected? Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't raised in a while. They haven't had a, as you said, a price round in a, in a while. It's, I, I, I don't know that this is helpful information for the public. I, I agree. There's going to be so much confusion between this and Beyond Stock, which is a publicly uh, traded stock, you know, in a public company that has IPO'd. And I think all it it just feels like another kind of let's take, you know, one of the the two avatars of the industry down. I, I don't know that it helps anyone, and I 100%. don't know I don't know how much this value is even realized because there there hasn't been. A price round or an IPO or you know or an acquisition, whatever. So exactly, exactly. At the end of the day, Impossible is still doing lots of stuff, and you know has a lot of is still innovating, and they just came out with this new ad, and and they've just made two big strategic hires. Peter McGinnis, the CEO, is really everywhere, um, really making the rounds and and really trying to, I think, cross the chasm in terms of appealing to a more mainstream 
you know, regular consumer. And, and I think that's what needs to be done. And it still remains, no matter who I talk to in the space, out of the space, into food, not into food, anyone who's tried impossible has it as their, you know, their benchmark for the space. Mm -hmm. So they've obviously done something very right. So I don't know that this is helpful or useful I agree. to talk. To. I agree. I don't think it's helpful at all. I think it's just like, I read this and I like, I was like, oh, okay. Another, another one of these types of headlines. And, and also I've said this about Beyond Meat, but like, I've heard rumors that Impossible has revenues of, let's call it 500 million. Again, I, we're not investors in them. I don't know, but I've heard that's, let's just say it's 500 million. Then if they they raised their last round of what, like there was a, at some point they were valued at like $12 billion, right? Something something of, of that nature, if I remember correctly. So if you take out 90% of that, then you're left with 1.2 billion. That's a little over two times revenue then. And that's totally appropriate for a CPG company. So like, okay, maybe this the private shares on the secondary market are 89% lower than they were at one point in the past, but that they're they're now being valued appropriately. So that's not a headline in my mind. It's just kind of, it's kind of good in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think good for us to clarify it, but also let's remind folks a distraction from what's important here. So 100%. Um, well, let's end on a positive. So one story that wasn't actually a story, it wasn't a press release or something. It was just something mm -hmm. I saw on LinkedIn by one of the staff at Vow who was saying that they were going to be at the Cannes, at the Cannes Lyon uh, big event this week, you know, the big age ad and media event that's happening in France in, on the Riviera. And they shared some numbers about their, their mammoth meatball campaign because kind of the numbers are in now. And I just, I thought it was really worth calling out. Um, and, and I do want to start off by saying, I was definitely one of those that wasn't sold on the campaign and the idea. Um, I didn't love it. Um, and I interviewed George uh, right after, and he was super open and took all my questions. Um, Why I, didn't you love it? Why didn't you love it? It felt... It felt like a distraction. It felt like it was not gonna get people who see cultivated meat as Franken food to see it differently. It mm. felt like I I didn't like the um the connection with a with an ancient um or extinct animal. I thought it was too dangerous and could be like it, it's kind of like that company that said they wanted to do cultivated lion and cultivated tiger. I was really right. angry that. I just, for me, all that you're doing is creating some kind of, you know, appetite for large and wild animals, which I don't think we need, I think is not solving any problems. Um, so I, I wasn't sold. Um, I have to say I was, I was one of the few people who wasn't sold. Most people I spoke to loved it. And mm -hmm. you know, George really, I liked how he answered all, all the questions I asked him. We did an interview after we reported on the story and in the end, for him and for the team especially, they had one goal and their goal was get the world talking about cultivated meat. And I have to say, looking at these numbers, they achieved that. So I go team, I, I think chapeau to them. I agree, I agree fully. I think what was so funny to me as someone who wasn't like, I wasn't in, emotionally invested in, in the, the ad or in vow or anything. I, I know the team. I, I like them. 
Um, but it, I, I really saw very clearly, they were like, we're trying to get people talking about cultivated meat. That's the goal. And if that's the goal, then 13 billion media impressions and over 10,000 articles written about it, they crush that. That they, they just knock that out of the park. And I think that that is really impressive. They had a goal from an advertising standpoint and they met it immensely. And so, I mean, I see this as like a huge win for them. I don't know the repercussions. I don't know if the mainstream audience is now talking positively or negatively, but if all I know is that most of the mainstream was not talking about cultivated meat at all before this. And now they are in some way, shape or form. So um, I think it's, I think it's great. I am happy to be wrong and I'm happy to have had my opinion changed on this. And I thought it was worth calling out. And so I'm glad yeah. we about it. Um, no, I agree. And like great number. What you said though, like there's, there's validity there, like the risks associated with this. Like if it just makes people think it's Franken meat and things like that, then that might be a hard thing to shake for a while. But um, so like, we'll, we'll see. I don't know if it, it's a net positive or a net negative at this point, but I think they achieved their goal and pretty, pretty immensely. Yeah. I'm going to call it a net, a net positive. And, and if you match that with, you know, the regulatory success, of upside and eat just, you know, it starts to feel like this is coming on the horizon and becoming a reality. And, and that's totally why I decided I wanted to do a limited series with, um, you know, six of the, the pioneers, the founders in this space. And George is absolutely one of them. We did it. We recorded a fantastic interview. He's incredibly compelling. And I, I take my hat off to, to him and his team. He has an amazing team too. And he empowers them to because actually this was run by someone someone else on his team and he absolutely empowers them to just go and do. And now they're at Canlion and, and you know, how amazing. That's so, awesome. Represented. I love that. And, and before we, we wrap up real quick, I do want to just say last week, you said you were super excited about Taco Bell having a, a vegan crunch wrap. And I want to say, I want to report back that Mikal Klar and I, Mikal is another investor in the space. He focuses on all protein in the APAC region. He's awesome. We, my very good friend. Week. I love He's Mikhail. awesome. He is yeah. great. Yeah, shout but out to we Better were Supposed to, <laughs> We were supposed to go to like a really nice vegan lunch in New York City. <laughs> and I realized it was like one block away from one of the, the Taco Bell locations that had the vegan crunch wrap. And I said like, do you want to go get some some really nasty fast <laughs> food? And, and he was all in and I had two of them. It was awesome. <laughs> Uh, two of them, hundred percent. I'm so jealous. Two of them. Yeah. So it was, it was great. Honestly, it was great. Like, like all jokes aside, like it, it brought me back to when I used to eat them all the time. Um, so it's really, really good. I hope they roll it out. I hope the the test goes really well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really good. <laughs> taco, taco, taco. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can't wait to try that one day. Hopefully, they keep it long enough for me to make it back to the states. All right. Well, another super packed week and uh, more to come next week, as always. Thanks a lot, Steve. And Thank you. see everyone next time.